Let's be honest, parenting can be messy and hard, but also so rewarding. In this podcast, we'll share all the ups and downs of parenthood, as well as share some of our favorite tips and tricks for parenting using both our experiences and expertise from our professional lives as a speech and language pathologist and teacher, but also our everyday lives as moms just trying to balance it all. We're so glad you could join us. Hello and welcome to And Then We Had Kids. I am Jenny. And I'm Sheena. And tonight I'm very excited about our episode and what we got going on. I mean, we've talked a lot about like updates in our lives and just kind of catching up. But October, not only do I love this month, it's my birthday month, but it's also a very special month to myself and Sheena. It is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I am so grateful and honored to hear the stories from uh, Sheena herself. And actually, we have a wonderful guest tonight to share her story. So Sheena, I'll let you share yours first. Sure. So... Um, it is breast cancer awareness month. I am the daughter of a breast cancer survivor. So my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was probably in third or fourth grade. Um, and being that young, I didn't really think too much of it until my sister and I got older. My sister's a nursing major. And we just thought it was really interesting that my mom was diagnosed so young. So she was only 34 at the time of her diagnosis. Um, and luckily she responded really well to treatment, but you know, there was always this like bug in the back of my head saying like, it's really like not a, it's not, it's pretty atypical that she was just so young. Um, and then, you know, fast forward several years later, uh, my mom's doing really well and her younger sister gets diagnosed with breast cancer. And again, wow. it was at a really young age before either of them had ever had mammograms. Um, so that really kind of triggered a red flag for my sister, you know, being a nurse, um, at the time. And so we kind of talked to my mom a lot about getting tested because there, at that point there was some more and more talk of a breast cancer gene, and we didn't really know too much about it or the process of how to get tested. Um, and so then fast forward even further, I, knowing that I had this breast cancer history in my family. I also actually have it on my dad's side. Um, I started getting my mammograms at the age of 30. Um, so that's, you know, that's younger than what they traditionally recommend, um, when you go to your gynecologist and at the ripe old age of 34, which was the same age as my mom's diagnosis, I had an abnormal mammogram. So, you know, in conversation with my doctors and my sister and my mom, we decided, you know what, it now makes a lot of sense in terms of getting tested for the breast cancer gene. Again, I still didn't really know a a ton about it, just that, you know, I had an abnormal mammogram. Luckily it turned out fine, but it did prompt my mom to get tested. Like that is like same age, all of it happening a lot. I was like newly engaged at the time, or actually I think that I got, I got the abnormal mammogram, like right before we got married. And then, you know, like that kind of just started the spiral of all the questions and the testing. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the way that insurance works, um, it was more likely for me to get approved if my mom as the cancer survivor got tested first. So my mom got tested first. And then my sister and I subsequently got tested. And sure enough, we are all positive 
for the BRCA2 mutation. And what I think some people don't recognize is that everyone has a BRCA1 and 2 gene. It's just that some of us, myself included, have a mutation of that gene. Hmm. Um, BRCA1 is a little bit more, um, not to say popular, but you, you probably heard of Angelina Jolie, Christina Applegate, both have the BRCA1 gene mutation. And so with that, um, you know, I kind of felt like my, my boobs were ticking time bombs. Right. And uh, my sister and I both made the decision to get preventative mastectomies um, as a way to really reduce our risk. And as I started going through this, I think I was blessed, obviously, to have your friendship and and my friends threw me, uh, you know, I, we had a Tata to the Tata's party and a yeah. voyage party um, as I prepped for my mastectomy. But for me, I think I needed to, and I think this is just who I am as a person. I need my community, right? So I needed to connect mm-hmm. with other people yes. that knew what I was going through and, and had walked the walk and could help me understand what was the surgery going to be like? What is recovery going to be like? Here are the other things that you need to be mindful of or monitoring. And so um, I was involved a lot with Bright Pink, which for those that don't know is an organization actually based in Chicago. Um, The woman that started it is a Chicago native um, who really wanted to bring awareness to knowing your risk, right? Mm -hmm. So she is also high risk for breast and ovarian cancer. And with that, I did some peer-to-peer mentoring with Bright Pink. And then I came across another organization called the Breasties, um, which was founded by a woman named Paige, who is also a previvor. And so I am known as a provider, meaning that I am high risk for cancer, um, mm-hmm. in this case, breast, ovarian, as well as a few others that are associated with the BRCA2 mutation. Um, and she started the breasties as a way to really just connect with people again, like create this community for women who were going through the same thing. Um, because it's not like I can just turn to anyone. Um, I think I'm actually the only one probably in our circle of friends that's gone through this. Um, and so I was blessed to meet our guest today at one of those events um, so I met Lauren Lopriori, um, who was our guest today at one of those Breasties events. And I think Lauren and I hit it off. We, we found out we lived near each other at the time. Um, we have kids the same age. Um, and so it was really nice. And I, I don't know, you know, I'll let Lauren kind of speak to her experience for me with that specific group, um, I felt like I was a little bit on the older side of the crowd. And so sometimes I felt like I couldn't always connect with all of the women that were at the events because they weren't moms or, you know, they were just really young in their lives, which is great for them. But I also felt like I needed someone who understood my life as someone who went through a mess. Right. But who also could understand like the mom side of it. Um, And so that was, that was Lauren for me. Um, I felt like with some of the women I met through bright pink, they were, they were also moms. So I, you know, connected a little bit with them, but you know, then the pandemic hit and all of those, those peer to peer social outings kind of got put on pause. Um, so that's kind of 
my story in a very quick nutshell, um, but I really want to take time to have our guest kind of share her story and her journey and hear a little bit about her because her her journey is a little bit different than mine, and I'll let Lauren speak to that. Um, but again, I was you know blessed to connect with Lauren at a Breasties event, and we've stayed in touch. Um, and so I want her to kind of share a little bit about her story, but she's done a lot, I think, from her journey and, and taken that a step further. Um, so Lauren, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell a little bit about your connection to Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into some of the other stuff you've been doing. Okay, great. Uh, well, first, thank you, Sheena and Jenny, for having me. Um, so as Sheena mentioned, my name is Lauren LaPriori, and I am a breast cancer survivor. Um, I was diagnosed in um, February of 2015. Um, <clears throat> I had found a lump actually the year prior in September um, while I was at a yoga class. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I brushed it aside, just thought, oh, I just pulled a muscle, no big deal. I went back to class, but then I came back and after this class, something just was super off. Um, I talked to my husband about, you know, kind of what I was feeling needed to get it checked out. Um, I even talked to my mom a little bit about it and just shared, you know, what I was feeling. And so I went in, um, my gynecologist was not there at the time, a nurse practitioner, of course you hear the words, well, you're too young. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Mm. And <clears throat> So I remember, I, sorry, not to, not to interrupt, no, Lauren, but I remember turning, being turned away so many times from my mastectomy, from not my mastectomy, my mammograms, because I was so young and they're like, you're too long, young. Are you sure that you need this? And I'm like, yes, I have a doctor's order. I have a family history, but I think at one point when I was scheduling my first, I must have talked to seven or eight people in the registration department of the hospital before someone finally put me through and got me scheduled for my mammogram because they just shrug it off as like, you're too young, you know? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, and I think, you know, later on, you know, kind of down the road through my treatment and stuff, like no one my age had that I knew of had been diagnosed. So it, it was kind of an, an unusual conversation or it was something unusual to like go into a doctor's office and say, oh, you know, I'm here for, um, you know, this kind of testing because, um, you know, eventually when I did get um, my ultrasound done, I was literally by far the youngest in the waiting room, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to go in. Um, so no, for sure. It was, um, you know, anyone that was under 40, um, you know, definitely had, had, had a harder time kind of getting the, um, the, uh, the support in terms of, you know, getting it and, and, and getting the right tests done. Um, you know, so she, kind of felt around, felt like, you know, oh, everything's, you know, going to be okay, but you know what, I'll, I'll put an order in for an ultrasound. But <clears throat> for me at the time I was working and I had, a um, travel planned for like that next week. And so I just kind of didn't put a whole lot of importance behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, looking back, 
I kind of wish I had, but, um, you know, life happens and, and it just was not, um, something that I put as a priority, but then December, I got a phone call from my doctor's office saying, Hey, you know, we, we see that you haven't gone and gotten your ultrasound done. And that it was just like that moment. I was like, you know what, here we go. This is like, I need to make this happen. So I wasn't able to, to get in until February. And, um, so I went in February 19th and I had an ultrasound. I had my first mammogram. I had three biopsies and by the time I left, I pretty much had a good idea that I had breast cancer. Um, and you know, it was really, it was a whirlwind of a day. And I remember laying on the ultrasound and the nurse practitioner, you know, she was doing the ultrasound and she, and she left. And then I was like, okay. And then a doctor came in and I'm like, okay. And then the nurse came back in and I said, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that probably wasn't good. And she just looked at me, she blinked and she just moved on. And it was like in that moment, like I just knew, I just knew. And, um, so I, uh, I called my husband who was at an event. And of course he had said, I'm going to come with you. And I'm like, no, no, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, All right. So, um, you know, but then that next day was Friday. So the 20th was truly when the doctors called, gave him, gave me my diagnosis. And so that the whole weekend I had to wait until the next week to get into the oncologist. And, um, so then really kind of the treatment began, um, right away. Um, I would say the biggest thing, um, that, you know, is something that, um, I've learned a lot about that maybe not every cancer patient is given the opportunity to do. Um, I went through, um, IVF and that was, you know, I was married, um, my husband and I were planning to have a family and now we were put in this position of, you know, how, how will we have a family and, and how after, um, treatment, what would it look like? And so, um, we did freeze embryos. Um, and again, you know, that looks different for everyone because maybe you're not in a relationship, maybe you're not ready to make an embryo. Um, maybe you just want to freeze your eggs. Um, and so, you know, but then right after I went right into chemotherapy and, and I'm grateful that I was able to freeze, um, the, the embryos. Um, it was something that they let happen, but it was not, um, it would not have been their first protocol to say, oh yeah, let's do IVF first. But I said, no, I, I, I need to need to, that it was just something that I felt, um, that was important to, um, myself and my husband. Um, and so started with chemotherapy, um, and then went right into having a double mastectomy. Um, and then I had radiation and then later on had, um, reconstruction, and, um, I guess I'll mention, um, my breast cancer was stage three, triple positive. Um, and that meaning, um, progesterone positive, estrogen positive and HER2 positive. And so being that it was HER2 positive, which is just basically 
um, another part of the cancer cell that um, is treated differently. Um, there's a medication that's Herceptin that continues on um, for a full year. So I, I did that um, until the next following fe February. Um, and then, you know, really it kind of just like treatment kind of ends and you go through this whole like survivorship conversation and then you're like, okay, now what, like what's right. happening? You you know, had a it, whirlwind of emotions, events, like it is. and wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, then I kind of just like went on with life, but you know, it was, again, I was the youngest person that I had known to be diagnosed with cancer. Um, my grandmother, um, was diagnosed at an early age. Um, she unfortunately, um, did pass from it, um, later on, um, metastasizing, which basically means that it was <clears throat> breast cancer, but it had spread throughout her body. Um, many times it's, um, in the lungs and the bones and the liver, um, hers was the bones. Um, and, you know, but nobody really talked about it. Um, you know, when it came in her bones, um, I just thought she had bone cancer. Like no one really talked about that. It had, that it was breast cancer, that it came from her breast cancer. And, um, and then I guess, you know, kind of knowing more family history was again, just not talked about. And, mm -hmm. and I would actually learn at my first oncology appointment that my aunt is also a survivor. Um, it was, oh, wow. yeah. So it was stage zero. She had a lumpectomy. Um, but it was just not something that, um, was spoken about, but due to having the family history, um, I did also get tested for, um, a genetic, <clears throat> excuse me, a genetic mutation and I'm BRCA positive as well. Um, that then led on to, I have a younger sister. Um, and again, due to the family history and my cancer diagnosis, she, she also got tested. And so, you know, it's really, um, kind of become important for me to have those conversations and have that knowledge of your family history, because, um, it was a lot that I didn't know. Um, you know, you can't change the past, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, the things that maybe I could have done differently, but, um, but I'm here now with kind of, you know, what I went through and, um, and then that's kind of, you know, where I kind of started, uh, exploring different avenues of how I could support others that, you know, would unfortunately kind of go down the road that, um, that I would experience. And, and even, you know, my sister being somebody who, um, had that genetic predisposition and, and, you know, she would have a preventative double mastectomy as well. And so, um, you know, so it really just a lot, uh, a lot of things happened kind of all at once. And I had friends who started getting diagnosed and, and then, uh, you know, I felt like I needed to do something. Yeah. Um, and real quickly for our listeners, um, I think BRCA1 and BRCA2 genetic mutations are often talked about, 
But I think one of the interesting pieces that when my sister and I were going through the genetic testing process is that there's like over a hundred different genes out there that are associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. So just because someone might not test positive for the BRCA1 or 2 mutation um, doesn't necessarily mean that they're kind of in the clear. There's, there's, you know, I think if you have a really strong family history, um, it's worthwhile having a conversation with your provider. Um, you know, that's where to me, bright pink really came into play because they do a lot of education. They, at, at least at the time. And I know that there's, um, there's been kind of an evolution of bright pink since when I received my diagnosis. Um, but just really knowing your risk, um, and knowing that if you really have a strong, um, family history of it, talk to your provider, there's, there's tests out there that can test kind of all the, the, the whole gamut of different genes out there that are associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. Um, so Lauren, you hinted a little bit as to kind of how you just started thinking about how to support others differently, um, so can you talk a little bit about kind of your, your next venture and how that led to what you're currently doing? And I'll let you share a little bit about it. And then, um, you know, I, I have, um, had the opportunity to also, you know, take action with it as well, but I'm going to let you share a little bit about how you got that road. Um, yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, so, you know, I really kind of, it, it took a few years to kind of get to a place where, um, where I was ready, that I was ready to kind of talk about what I had just gone through. Um, it kind of took a kind of a nervous breakdown to really get me to that point. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know kind of who I was. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. I went back to work and it was uncomfortable and um, needless to say, I was working throughout my treatment, but I was fortunate enough to work from home, but then, you know, went back to the office. It just didn't feel right. And, um, you know, I finally, then, you know, I started to seek out communities and seek out therapy and, and, you know, trying to find my way and, you know, <clears throat> and that's kind of when I found the breasties and I found different, um, different organizations that, you know, maybe it was two or three years after diagnosis, but, um, but it was like almost kind of like better late than never that I, that I found, you know, these ways to be supported and, um, and, and truthfully, um, a lot of it kind of started because, um, I was fortunate enough to have my daughter, um, and that's, a whole, a whole, uh, another episode, but, um, yep. <laughs> she was born via surrogate, um, with the embryos we froze and, you know, you have a lot of downtime. And so I really just kind of felt like, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to start talking about, um, just it kind of from the beginning about, you know, things I didn't know, things I wish I would have known and, and really kind of the experience that I had through my treatment. Um, and so live and let, um, is what I called it. Um, it kind of stems from my initials. Um, there's no real unique meaning behind it other than it's L ampersand, um, L, which is, uh, you know, the ampersand looks like an E. So L E L are my initials. <laughs> 
Um, and it really just, you know, kind of became a blog for me to, to write and to share. But then I started thinking a lot about things I wish that I would have had. Um, and, and really, you know, it took a couple of years to find these communities, to find these resources, to find um, different events that, you know, I could go to and talk to others who were in my shoes that, you know, I wasn't going into an event where, um, you know, I had my mullet haircut and people were wondering, you know, what was up with my new do. Um, and so I just started kind of pulling and compiling resources and events and kind of trying to create this whole like information hub that was like in one place. I always felt like, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't provided a ton of information going through treatment, but if I was, it was, you know, just kind of like from here and there and, um, you know, you're given all this information and then you don't know what to do with it. So then two years later, you're like, well, what did I do with all of that? And probably, probably just got, you know, thrown in the garbage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I kind of was just like, I want to be able to put it all in like one place for people to say like, I have no clue where to start. And then to be able to say, well, go to live in Latin, like it's all there, like kind of waiting for you. Um, you know, and it, it really is, um, focused on breast cancer because that's what I know. Um, but I've also, you know, really made it focused on like the whole experience. So resources for caregivers and resources Mm for previvors to really be able to connect with other communities within, um, the caregiving space or the previving space or, you know, in the, the survivor space, because, um, you know, you, you find that, you know, whether or not it's one person or it's an entire group of people, like to be able to have that person that you can lean on that understands and that can, um, you know, feel the empathy and sympathy, like for the things that you have gone through, you know, it's not always easy to connect with your friends that, you know, maybe haven't been through that. And it's not their fault. It's just not something that they've, um, had an experience with. And, and so for you to not feel, you know, excluded or for you to not exclude them, it's, you know, you almost kind of have to just find your own little, you know, separate community for those times where you just need to vent or let it out about, you know, something specific to your own health. And, um, and then really, uh, another part of live and let kind of became this like, oh, well, I really wish I would have known the right thing to wear after my surgery, because the thing that I was told by the doctor's office literally wouldn't fit over my head and you have surgery. And how are you supposed to put something over your head with your arms up? They can't move. And so anyway, you can't even uh, lift your arms, right? Like I know. I think I even struggled for a long time, like just pulling up my own pants, <laughs> I, I know. So like I you know. just don't even realize the, like the muscles and everything that gets impacted by that type of surgery. Oh my gosh. I know. And I, I, that to myself, and again, you know, you learn so many things down the road that, you know, the doctors are 
there for the surgery, there for, you know, giving you your treatment plan. They're really not there to pick out, you know, the support bras for after. And I totally get that. But then like, there needs to be they should. They should at least point you in someone who will tell you what Someone should at least tell you, right? Like like the button down, the front button down pajamas that were like really helpful. Had I, you know, thank God I had talked to some people that had been through it. Totally. I know. So I, I started this whole, just kind of like product recommendation page of just like, you know, um, I mean, I remember being in the shower and wearing my college lanyard, like holding up my my drain drains. (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, I was resourceful, but you know, there's, there's other things out there now. And, um, so, you know, that kind of, then is really where um, the next part of Live and Let started. Um, and that is um, the Give Crates. <clears throat> and that was really me just feeling like, you know, I wanted to be able to use my creativity, but also be able to pay it forward. And I recalled this care package that my aunt sent me. And it was, um, a blanket that I still have. And I still, uh, wrap myself around, um, in bed with, and two pillows, um, like two kind of beanbag pillows. Um, and that was like kind of the best thing that I could have gotten. Um, and it truly, um, kind of just made a difference. And, you know, I've always been told that like, it's the thought that counts. And I full on believe that, but there's something about, you know, when there's that little extra touch of care and a little extra touch of thought that's put behind, um, the care that's given to you. Um, you know, my aunt hadn't been through cancer, but it was something that almost was like custom to me, um, and made just me feel comfortable. And, and so I just was kind of like, like, what could I do that kind of pulls in like my passion for, um, giving back to others and, and gifting. Um, I always get excited when people have birthdays or Christmas comes up. Like that's just kind of something that I've just always enjoyed, um, doing and that's, you know, kind of shopping for, for presents. And so how can, how can I take that passion, but then, you know, really, um, give back to the cancer community. And so I really kind of just started doing a lot of research on, um, you know, products and items that, you know, make you feel good and bring you comfort. And, um, I started finding that there were all these, um, cancer survivors who were creating products that, you know, after their, um, experience, you know, they, they were realizing that, oh, there's a need for, um, you know, a better way to shop for bras after surgery, or there's, you know, a better way to, um, make yourself feel comfortable with a bald head, you know, putting scarves on or different turbans. And I thought, well, 
people need to know about these survivors who are like creating these amazing things. And so I just started kind of like reaching out to them and, um, and connecting. And I was like, well, what about if I like put all these things together and in, in a basket? Um, and so really that's kind of where it all began, um, you know, with these survivors. And, and then I thought, well, you know, who better else to know, like, what women are going through than women. So, you know, amazing women are creating, you know, beauty products that are, you know, more clean. And, and that was a big thing for me, you know, Mm -hmm. looking and diversifying, like what products I use, what food I ate and, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I now have a family. So, you know, a big thing for me was, um, you know, family owned businesses. And so, um, give really kind of became this, um, customized care create service, um, and, you know, products, um, that are within the crates are, um, survivor owned, women owned, family owned, and then, um, you know, companies that are truly, um, educated in the field of care. <clears throat> and, um, so yeah, that's I kind think of, one of the things, where I've been. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I love about the, the give crates, um, because I unfortunately have had other friends that have been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and I've had a, a, a fortunately, a, um, a few that have since passed. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, your, your, your friend or your loved one gets that diagnosis and you just want to reach out and help and you don't necessarily always know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I think the give crates have been really special in that it's something that can help them get through their, even just, you know, making chemo and radiation a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, even if you don't necessarily know what might be best for them, that's where I I think kind of Lauren's creativity comes into play in terms of like, here's what I was hoping to spend. Here's what, what's going on for them. And Lauren has really just curated those give crates, um, to really meet those needs. And so like, even when I'm at a loss of like, you know, I'm honestly, I don't even know what to get, you know, so-and-so starts chemo in a couple of weeks and, you know, Lauren's then just kind of you know, hand chosen some items to really just help that person feel a little bit more comfortable, um, in the situation. So I think that that's one of the things I appreciate about the give crates. And and, I mean, someone who doesn't have like a personal story, obviously, and, but I feel like everybody knows somebody that somehow has been touched by cancer in some form or fashion. And I was just even perusing on your website, Lauren, because I, I wouldn't necessarily have gone to it had not for like this community, but I feel so much more educated about it even by like watching some of the videos, like you review products. And I'm like, that's brilliant that now I know about that too. And I mean, I don't, I don't have cancer. I didn't, I didn't have cancer, but I feel like I can now be a better source than I was previously. Um, and knowing about these give crates, Sheena too, like what you said, it's a beautiful thing to get if you don't know what to do. And oftentimes, um, People don't know what to do, but they want to do something. And there was, I think it was your most recent blog post, Lauren, where um, you're writing about, I feel like people may be in like the, right right there, like in the 
big part of it, like right after the diagnosis, but then like the after, like your, your guys's journey isn't done after you went through your treatment or after you got your mastectomy. So like, there's still more to your journey that I mean, I'm glad I'm part of it, but it's also being able to support it, not just during that, like an intense time, but like continuing that support for you guys um, and for anybody who's going through it. Yeah. Yeah, And not just like, you're good now. Like you did it like, right. Like all's good, but like, yes and no. Right. Like your journey is that, and that it's not, it didn't end. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, a big thing that, um, you know, I, I started brainstorming was like, okay, you know, I have these great products for the treatment, but then what can I include, um, from, after, you know, you're kind of post-treatment, post-surgery and, you know, what does that look like? Um, and I think it's, you know, still kind of those like thinking of you, my celebrating milestones, um, and, and really even, um, you know, my hope is that, you know, someone is given, um, a crate and finds a product that they love and then they come back and, you know, and just, want to purchase that, um, a la carte. And that's actually, you know, where I'm really kind of expanding the website. Um, because it used to kind of be just like behind the scenes, I would kind of just curate from my little shop, but I just felt it was really important to be able to, um, make the items available so that, um, you know, yes, maybe I'm using kind of the concierge service to really curate for someone who really just doesn't know what to send, but, mm-hmm. but wants to personalize it to, yes. you know, their loved one or themselves. And, um, and so, but I want them to, you know, see the product. I want them to understand why it's a part of the shop. And so that's like a big thing that I'm including is like why we love it, like why we love this product and why it's a part of, um, the gifting experience. And, um, you know, and it, and it is important for, you know, women, I mean, and men too, because they can receive a diagnosis too, but, you know, for them to come into the shop and say like, oh, wow, I would have never thought of, you know, getting, that type of cream for after radiation, or even like, you know, Hey, I went through all of this. I deserve to like buy myself, you know, a little gift, um, and really making it about, you know, the cancer experience, but also after in that, just like feel good, comfortable, uh, like focus on like wellness and care. Mm -hmm. Um, and so really kind of having that, um, kind of one-stop shop of really being able to, um, you know, support yourself and loved one through a cancer diagnosis or through a cancer experience, but then also after and how you want to live your life and what type of products you want to have in your home. Um, and, you know, so that's kind of been a way that, you know, I hope to, expand and grow, um, give shop. So I love it. So you, we know that you have a little human at home as do we, um, how, you know, knowing that you have this wonderful small business and a little one at home, how do you kind of balance both of those, those worlds? And what do you do for yourself to kind of 
you know, make sure that you're taking care of your own well-being? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> and the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, that truly is. Let us question. know when you figure it out. <laughs> um, question, really. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie and I won't sugarcoat it. Like I, there are many times where I am very overwhelmed and I'm not sure what I'm doing. And I look around and I'm seeing all these moms who I'm like, how do you do it? What are you doing? Tell me I need, but then I'm like, yeah, but they're probably thinking the same thing. And, you know, we all just do it. I think like, Mm -hmm. you know, we women are just we're amazing beings and, and we just have something in us that allows us to multitask and just Mm -hmm. do it all. I mean, I think we're all, you know, a little crazy sometimes for doing, (laughs) but, but, you know, let's just face it. I don't know if our husbands could do it. So, um, so true, you know, I mean, I I love them, but you know, we, we, we all do things in our own ways. So, um, but you know, I really, and, and I think, um, figuring things out for me has taken time. I think so many maybe figure it out, you know, months down the road, maybe years down the road, it's taken me like six years to really get to a place where I realized that I was doing so much for others and I wasn't doing anything for myself. And, um, and so many times I would hear, well, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, how do you take care of everyone else? And I'm like, oh, but I'm, I'm fine. I can do it all. And, um, but really it wasn't until this year. Um, so, you know, I'm seven years, um, you know, in remission and, I finally said, you know, I'm going to really just take some extra time for myself. And I have started doing just like more workout classes. I'm actually doing a boxing class, which is like fantastic. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's, it's great. I have my like Zen yoga days. And then I have my like really crazy, like punch the punching bag days. That's like a beautiful example <laughs> of like having balance, right? Like it it's good to have like the work and you got to have like the fun too. So the, totally. zen and the boxing, yeah, exactly. Both. Um, and you know, when I've started doing acupuncture and I really kind of just started looking at, um, you know, different ways of healing. Um, you know, I'm, on. Uh, from a medical standpoint, I'm on medication and, and I will be for a while from a preventative standpoint. And I will, um, you know, always have different, um, check-ins that I need to do, but there's also this like whole other world that, you know, maybe some people are into and some aren't. And I wanted to just kind of, uh, dabble in it and see what it was all about, but there's this whole other like holistic way of healing. And, and that's kind of where the acupuncture came from. And, um, you know, so I've done that and then really just, um, something about for me, nature, and I was able to participate in a couple of, um, adventure travel, wellness travel, um, you know, with some cancer communities and, um, just kind of like being alone and 
taking walks and, um, yeah, that's just been something that's really been great for me. And, you know, I think everyone just kind of finds their rhythm and finds what works for them, but, you know, it is so important to just kind of like take that time away from thinking about your illness or being a mom or being a wife to, um, really just kind of focus on yourself. And it's totally not easy. I, I mean, I, there's, there's weeks where I don't have that self-care and I totally feel it. And then, you know, um, but you know, as I mentioned earlier, it really, it took me a long time to get there because, um, I really, you know, I was really still kind of figuring it all out and, and figuring out what it meant to be a wife and a mom and a survivor and how you kind of live all those little parts of your life. And, um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think for me, the biggest thing is having a family and being a mom and, um, you know, and I am here and I want to be around. And so, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, take care of yourself as well as others. And, um, yeah, so I could go on and on and on, but I'll, I'll kind of stop there, but, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the time that I've had with, um, you know, lots of individuals who have kind of gotten me into, uh, a place of, um, you know, really caring for myself and, um, you know, my daughter and husband allowing me to do that. Even sometimes that's five minutes at a time, but even that, <laughs> right. you know, even that's better than nothing. So, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so where can folks find out a little bit more about you if they want to learn more about your story and live and let, or looking into give crates a little bit more? Um, sure. So, uh, the best place would be, um, the website. Um, so live and let.com that's L I V A N D L E T.com. Um, and there's a drop down there for, uh, the give crates, but also, um, the shop is give shop.com G I V S H O P P E.com incredible Thank please you. check it out I mean it's just a beautiful website with lots of great resources um like you said you're you have a post on there about like your surrogate journey and how your daughter came to be it's beautifully written um and so many pieces are beautifully written so we thank you Lauren for sharing your stories and we definitely encourage anybody um especially this month and really every month to go check out live and let so thank you Lauren for being here with us oh well thank you both for having me Thank you. And just a quick shout out that, you know, even when it's not breast cancer month to please really just take the time to do those self exams, um, a really great way and easy way to remember it is to do feel it on the first. So do, do your breast self exams on the first of the month, um, and take some time to know your risk. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at underscore and then we had kids. Thanks again. And like we say, life used to be carefree. And then we had kids. <laughs>